Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former AmLaw 100 partner who, just five years into my legal career, found myself teetering on the edge of burnout. Instead of becoming yet another burnout statistic, I decided to redefine success on my own terms, enabling me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating the challenges of two kids, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness. And I'm now on a mission to help lawyers do just that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both life and law. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Why, hey there. Welcome to episode number 12, Redefining Success from the Inside Out. So we are just going to dive right in, and I have a question to start off for you. How do you define success for yourself? Like what components go into being successful uh, when it comes to what you're striving to do to achieve within your career and your life? It's likely that includes fortune, right? Money, how much money you make, maybe, you know, what the profits look like within your company or your practice if you're in private practice. Perhaps it includes fame, and by fame, I mean how well-known you are, right? Are you perceived as somebody who is known within your industry? Are you respected by your peers, your colleagues? All of that goes into the fame category. As an attorney, you likely include some form of competition and winning, right? We all want to win, in some way, shape, or form. And I think attorneys, this is definitely the case. I mean, if you are a litigator, you are needing to win for your client. And so there's some some performance metric there on what it means to win. And even if you're not in litigation, I was a corporate finance attorney, and I know winning was a component as well for us because we wanted to ensure we got the best deal for our clients, right? And so there is a competitive feature and attorneys, you know, we're very competitive people. So that's probably a piece of your definition. And then there's also likely something around the people that you associate with. We all want to be seen with the right people. We want to be grouped with the quote unquote right people. And so these are the typical components that go into most people's success definitions. Now, I have a second question for you. How happy, fulfilled, content are you within your life right now? Now, here's what I find interesting. Most attorneys are considered successful, at least by society standards, by those standards that I just mentioned, right? We make good money. We are respected. We win. We compete. We do well for our clients. All of these things we associate with people who are also respected because those are the groups we travel in. Yet, a vast majority of attorneys aren't terribly happy. Why is that? What's going on? So there's a lot that goes into this, right? And some of this I have talked about before. Some of this relates to the way in which we tend to work, the way that we tend to think. I talked about lawyer stress and, you know, what causes it back in episode two. So if you haven't listened to that, I do recommend that you go back and listen to it. I will put a link to episode two into the show notes. But I think there's more going on than just that, okay? I think part of the problem is the way we define success for ourselves. When we define success by fortune, fame, winning, 
those things are often, number one, not fully within your control and can be easily lost. Because of that, a lot of the things that we measure against create fear. Create, you know, a fear, a worry, doubt, you know, not wanting to lose these things. And you couple that with the way that our brains are pre-wired and then also trained as lawyers to think. Again, we talked about a lot of this in episode two. And it can be a recipe for disaster because you start gauging your success metrics primarily based on not losing those things. And note, you're also measuring success based on other people's expectations, other people's standards, other people's wants, desires of you, and not whatever it is that you truly desire, value, want, and need within your life and career. Because when it's so fear-based, you are wanting to avert the risk of losing. That's what I mean by fear-based. The way that we have been defining success, coupled with the way that the lawyer-trained brain tends to work, is what leads us to be successful on paper, yet terribly unhappy, or at least a large part of it, I believe. Because we start measuring ourselves so much against other people's definitions of what we should be, other people's expectations of what we should be delivering and doing, that we completely lose sight of the things that made us choose to be lawyers in the first place. And we lose that spark that we once had. And so we're not really connecting in on what makes us happy, what makes us content, what makes us fulfilled. We lose sight of it very, very easily with this typical societal definition. Now, I'm not saying that we should never include fortune, fame, competition, the people we associate with within our definitions of success, but I do not believe that they should be the primary drivers for what success is for the reasons that I've already laid out. So if this is resonating with you at all, today's episode, I hope, will be super helpful for you. Because here's the deal, y'all. Real success should bring happiness, fulfillment, Dare I say contentedness. And when I say contentedness, I mean being comfortable in your own skin. Not worrying so much what other people will think, but doing the things that feel more aligned with what you really want, with your values, than what other people think. It also includes meeting your own needs so that you can be, do, perform to the best of your ability and feel really good about yourself and how you are showing up every single day. And the interesting thing is, when you do that, you achieve more because you're performing to the absolute best of your ability in a way that is uniquely you, where you're really leaning in to your strengths, to your values. It's more self-motivating. You're going to do and be better. There's this kind of natural snowball effect. It motivates. It keeps you focused. It helps you do better. You have more fun, which motivates you more, etc. So hopefully this is making some sense to you. And that, my friends, is what we're getting into today. How to redefine success 
from the inside out because success is not attained by outside standards. It's truly created from within and only you can create it. But you can only create it if you truly understand the components that go into that, which is exactly what we're about to get into. All right, so before we start breaking down exactly what goes into my definition of success, how I want you to start redefining it for yourself, I would like to ask you two quick favors. Favor number one, if you are enjoying this podcast, please consider giving me a review on Apple Podcasts. It will, A, help me know what it is that you're enjoying most about the show so that I can create more of that for you, and B, also allow other people to find me more easily. The more reviews I get, the more valid the podcast looks to Apple, and the more they recommend it to people. So I'd truly appreciate it if you would be willing to do that. Secondly, I have created a survey for you guys, and I very much want to hear from you. I want to hear what it is you're enjoying. I want to hear what topics, what questions you would like to have addressed. If you have a specific question, let me know. If you have some topics that you'd like to hear more about or that I have yet to cover that you would like me to cover, please let me know. It also allows you to sound off a little bit and give me some constructive criticism so that I can make this podcast better. There will be a link to that survey in the show notes. Please do go and fill it out. It will only take you a couple of minutes. All right, so let's get into what it means to redefine success from the inside out. So before we get into the specifics of how to redefine it, there are a couple of things to note that are really important. So what I'm talking about starts within your mind, okay? How you think, how you process those thoughts, how you feel and how you respond. Remember, this is about getting to a place where you feel fulfilled, where you feel content, where you feel good in your own skin. And all of this can happen even when things don't go as planned and even when, not if, but when, you fail, because we all fail from time to time, right? So I've talked a ton already about mindset, and I'm sure I'll talk a lot more about it. And so we're not going to get into a lot of that right now. But go back if you haven't listened to episodes 7 and 11. So episode 7 talks about how to use mindfulness for a stronger, more resilient mentality, Um, It will help reduce your stress levels, but it'll also help you make your mind more resilient and strong. And that is necessary for you to get to a place where you are confident enough to redefine success your own way. And episode 11 talks about how to be a more confident leader, even in times of uncertainty. And that definitely gets into the mindset piece as well. So both of those are going to be very helpful to you. If you have not listened to them, do go back and listen. And I will link to both of them in the show notes as well. Number two. I sometimes get pushback when I first present this concept to people. There's a sense of, well, Heather, I have obligations and responsibilities, and I can't just drop them. Isn't this a selfish way of looking at things? Heck no. So what I'm talking about is building a values-based definition of success, and your values are going to have something that relates to others, taking care of others, connecting with others, serving others, inspiring others, being your best for others. I see this very consistently because I do values-based work with my clients. There's always something there that relates to other people. The other thing I would say is human beings are wired for connection. 
We are just wired that way. We need to connect with others, whether it be some of us need to connect with a lot, some just a couple, right? But we like to connect and we like to please and we like to do good and we like to do for others. And part of that connection is selfish, but part of it is also there's a symbiotic relationship that you create more connection when you help others. So that piece is always going to be there. So I would say no. Not if you're doing it the way I'm going to teach you. You're not going to go about this in a selfish way. The final thing before we get into the specifics is success isn't a destination, but a way of living and being. And that's really different than I think what we tend to think. So we tend to think of success as something that you work to achieve, right? It's very achievement-based. And then you get it. And then what? Now, I suppose you could rest on your laurels and sometimes you might even lose what you've gained, but that's not really what I'm talking about when I talk about success. I want you to really stop thinking in those terms. So first, that's not a very satisfying way to live. So you work hard to achieve something, always looking to that day when you're going to get there, right? And then you either do or you don't. Now, if you don't get there, then you feel like a failure, And if you do get there, maybe you feel really good, maybe even great, but it's often fleeting and kind of empty because what you do is then you're moving on to the next thing. You don't allow yourself to really enjoy it. So when success gets defined in this way as primarily achievement-based, a destination, a place you get to, that's how it's really easy to get caught up on kind of this check-the-box, unfulfilling way of looking at success. Other thing I would say is it's not really realistic because oftentimes we don't actually achieve everything we want, right? And so what I want you to start thinking about is how you can get comfortable and content in the moment, in the everyday, even though you might be looking to do and be better, looking to make your life better, you can be content right now. Because you're making good choices for yourself in the now based on your current circumstances. This is what I'm talking about with redefining success as a way of living or being as opposed to a place that you get to. It makes for a much more happy, fulfilling life. It makes for, honestly, it gives you more motivation as you go. So it helps you to actually achieve more as you go, even though you're not focusing on always achieving more, okay? All right, so let's get into the three main components of how to redefine success for yourself because you need something to measure it against, right? We all need to measure ourselves in some way. And even though this is about kind of a way of being and living, you need to be able to measure how you're making choices, how you're making decisions, how you're living your life against something. So how do you do that? Well, number one is to know and meet your needs. So I'm talking about core needs here, and this is part of basic self-care. So core needs are the things that must be met for you to be your best. They're, as I said, part of self-care, but they're deeper than regular self-care. I call them core needs because they're a core part of who you are as a result of your past experiences. A lot of the experiences that we go through growing up throughout our childhood and in young adulthood and even sometimes as adults create needs, core needs to us, right? 
And if these needs don't get met, we just don't feel good about ourselves. We don't feel right. And our subconscious will often work really hard to get them met. Because our subconscious is working so hard to get them met and we don't sometimes know that's happening, that's how we get into very bad coping behaviors. Because we're trying as hard as we can to somehow meet a need, but we're not necessarily doing it in healthy ways because we're not consciously doing it. So unmet needs hijack you. They hijack your behavior. And that's why I want you to get really clear around what your needs are and what needs to be met because you don't want those unhealthy coping behaviors to take over. Now understand, this doesn't make you needy. Sometimes I get pushback when this concept comes up as well with clients and they're like, well, I don't want to be needy. Well, if you don't meet your needs, you become needy is basically what I'm saying. The other thing is we all have core needs. We all need to meet them. Meeting them is part of your basic self-care and your basic well-being. So if you don't meet your, meet your needs, you're going to get needy. You're going to be more selfish in trying to meet them. So your success definition must include basic self-care and meeting your needs. Because if you don't include that, then you're not going to be or act your best. And you're not going to be able to move on to the other components And actually fulfilling the definition that you create for yourself. So this is why this is so important. So you might have some questions around, well, what, how do I determine my needs? I don't 100% understand what they are. So let's, let's go through a few examples to hopefully open up some of this for you. And here's what I mean by they're often created throughout childhood. So a friend of mine grew up very poor. And because of that, she has this deep need to feel financially secure. That's a need, financial security, right? And so if she doesn't feel financially secure, she starts acting in odd ways sometimes to meet that need. So because she knows that's an actual need, she can ensure that her decision-making aligns with getting the need met and not exposing that need unnecessarily. Another one is a former client um, had a core need to be heard. So when she first hired me, it was really interesting. She assumed that she needed to leave her law firm because of how unhappy she was. She was incredibly unhappy. But it was interesting because she'd not always been unhappy. At at a point in time, she had been very happy there. And so as we dug a little bit deeper, it became clear that she had a very deep core need of being heard. And... Up until maybe a year before she hired me, there had been some important partners. She was an associate at the time. There had been some important partners at her firm who she felt like listened to her. She was heard. They took her thoughts and opinions into account. But they left. And she no longer felt heard. And that was why she felt so off, like she needed to leave her firm and everything was just off. So once we got clear around that need, we came up with a plan for her to start speaking up more often because she wasn't. And it's a little hard to be heard if you're not speaking up, right? So we came up with a plan. She started speaking up more often. And lo and behold, the need was met. They listened to her. And interestingly enough, she is no longer an associate. She is still at the same firm and she is a partner there now. So that's an example of understanding your needs. Your needs must get met and they must be a basic part of your success definition. Okay? All right. 
So let's move on to the second thing. And the second one's probably not going to surprise you because I've mentioned these before. Align to your personal values. We have talked about values before. I talked about them in episode six, what to do when you feel stuck in your career. I will link to it. And I've, I've mentioned it in other episodes as well. But quick recap, personal values are what give your life meaning and purpose. They act as a compass for how to live your life in a way that makes you content, fulfilled, and also helps you make a bigger impact in the world. They are what make you uniquely you, basically. So they affect how you see the world, the people in it, your role within it, etc. They also play a big role in your politics and religion. So it's why so it's, you know, we get into such heated discussions with people when it comes to politics and religion because our politics and our religion are often guided by our values, okay? And values are core to you. They're supremely important. They're basically the principles with which you live your life and you want to live your life. So aligning your vision for your career and life and your goals to your values is what leads to more happiness and fulfillment. And knowing your values leads to better decision making. It helps you to make decisions that you feel good about. So when you align your decisions to your values, it helps you feel more content and who you are, and where you are in your life, in the moment. Even when things aren't perfect or even great. And yes, even when you want something more, better, or different. This is how to really start living differently. Is to align your whole life, your decisions, around your values. So I talk about how to get clear around your values and create a values-based vision and goals in the Life and Law Roadmap. So be sure if you don't have it to go ahead and download that. I will link to it in the show notes as well. So let me give you a quick example of how to use your values as a compass or a guide for making good decisions. Because here's the thing that I do want you to understand. There's no perfect or even great choice sometimes. Sometimes all your choices kind of suck. But it doesn't mean that you can't make a decision that you can be content with given your current circumstances and what you know in that moment. And that's what this is all about, okay? Getting to a place of contentedness. So I had a client that was weighing two potential opportunities. Knew they were leaving firms and they, they, one was actually an in-house opportunity, which seemed less risky, (laughs) And but had a lot of money potential for it, like upfront money potential, yet stagnant, okay? The other opportunity was another firm opportunity, but it was a riskier firm. It was very small. The money upfront wasn't as good, but there was a lot of opportunity for growth, and it seemed kind of interesting and challenging. So there was a lot more risk with the second one, but a lot more up, potential upside, And this client was really uncertain what he wanted to do because money was important. But at the end of the day, the money was good enough in both. And so he kept going towards the in-house because of the money, but had this inkling kind of in the back of his mind that maybe that's not the best decision, right? So we went through his values and we looked through the lens of his values in making the decision. And he realized, well, one of his values was to be challenged. He likes the challenge. And he realized that the in-house opportunity might seem challenging at first, but there was a real risk of stagnation over time. And that the law firm opportunity 
Although there was more risk there, there was a lot more upside, a lot more potential, and a whole lot more challenge that really excited him and made him more interested. And so he ended up taking that position when originally he thought, you know, I might take the other because of the money. And he was totally content with his decision, knowing, hey, maybe it's not the perfect place for me in the long term, but it is the right decision for me right now, given what I know and given my current circumstances. This is what I'm talking about, okay? All right, let's move on to step three. Step three is all about letting go. (laughs) Letting go of all the shoulds and all the worries around what other people will think of you. So what this really is, it's learning to manage that voice inside of your head that reminds you that other people don't do things the same way, that make you worry that you might fail and convinces you that maybe it's not worth the risk because it's different. It's going against the grain. But here's the thing. That voice and listening to that voice too often is what leads us to follow all those shoulds, which means doing too much, trying to do it all, which means imbalance and burnout. And eventually it leads to unfulfillment, right? Because there's only so long that you can do everything. And so you end up pushing your priorities down the totem pole. So here's what this step is really about. It's about prioritizing what's important to you. Saying no as an enforcement mechanism for prioritizing what's important to you. And of course, managing your mind, which means facing down your fears, acting despite them, and working on building a very strong, resilient, and stressless mind, as I mentioned earlier. So if you haven't listened to my two episodes about being more productive, which is really about prioritizing, go listen to episodes 9 and 10. They're going to help you with that. Episode 9 is about making the tough choices and what that really means and the mentality behind prioritization. And episode 10 is about kind of the process, the how to prioritize the right things. So go back and listen to those episodes if you haven't or re-listen to them. And be sure to download the Life and Law Roadmap because this gets into that as well. I want to today talk about something very specific, and that's how to face down your fears, okay? Fears and worries, because there are very specific exercises you can use to do that, and I want to introduce you to one of them today because it can be, they're so simple, and yet they can be life-changing. So one thing I want to make sure you understand is that there's no such thing as being fearless or without doubts or worries. They exist, They're not going to go away completely, right? Can you diminish some of your fears and worries? Yes. Can you even get rid of some of them? Yes. Some fears are not rational and you can get rid of those. But note, feeling fear, feeling worry, feeling doubt is your brain's way of protecting you. It is a protective mechanism and it is not always a bad thing. In fact, it can be an incredibly good thing. So the key here is to learn how to get comfortable with feeling these things and how to process them, process these feelings, process the thoughts behind them that cause us to have these feelings so that you can make a rational decision, a better decision while weighing the real risks and opportunities. So something that happens within our brains when we kind of feel more worry, fear, doubt is we only listen to that side and we don't allow the other side to come in. And so when I talk about processing them, you've got to learn how to process it so that that fear, that worry, the self-doubt, all the negativity doesn't take over 
and that you look at it more realistically and get comfortable with it just being there so that you can then look at the other side and weigh the two sides appropriately, right? So you can differentiate between something you really should avoid versus is this my brain making it a bigger deal than it should be? So there are a lot of different exercises that you can use to work through fears, doubts, and worries. And I've actually got a couple of articles about how to do this with numerous exercises. So I'm going to link to one or two of my favorites in the show notes should you want to read about them. But I want to give you one of my favorite techniques to leave you with today. And that is about personifying your fear. And here's how this works. Number one, you want to name it. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Inside Out, but it is one of my favorite movies. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. But it's this conceptually very similar to what happens in the movie. So there's sadness and there's joy. And joy is always trying to get rid of sadness because sadness is such a bummer and such a downer. But the whole theme of the movie is sadness needs to be there to experience joy. And I would tell you that you need these negative feelings. These are like sadness. You need them. They're there to protect you. They're there to warn you. And they're also there to help you experience more fully the good stuff, right? And so part of this process is just personifying it so that you can face it and be more real with it. And so giving it a name, maybe your inner voice, that critical inner voice that likes to say all these things and remind you of the things you fear and worry about, maybe that is sadness. For me, it's Nellie. (laughs) I like to call her negative Nellie. But Name her or him. Sounds stupid, but I promise it works. It's based in psychology, y'all. Name the voice. You want to personify it so that it's not you, right? So one of the problems that we often get caught up in when we get caught up in fear and negativity is we think of ourselves as that. And this is a way to pull it away so that you can see this is just something your brain is doing to try to warn you that you can be more rational about. So name it. And talk to it. Ask, hey, what's going on? What are you trying to warn me? Let me know what are your feelings and what are the beliefs. And actually ask questions. And I actually recommend writing this stuff down because I think it comes out a little more clearly when we write it down. So how do I feel? What are the feelings? Give names to those feelings. What thoughts are behind those feelings? What are you so worried about? Now here's where our voice, the sadness or negative Nelly, starts to take over. They get repetitive. This is when those negative thoughts just spin over and over and over again. So you got to be aware of that and you got to say, uh-uh, no repeats. When they get repetitive, it means they're done and you stop them. You basically just say, hey, thank you. You've done your job. You can go away now. Seriously, tell them to go away. You've done your job. You've given me everything you need to tell me. It's time for me to take a look at it. And that's when you take a look at it and you go, okay, what's real? Like, ask the question, really? Is this really that big of a deal? What would I do if that did happen? Plan for it. Challenge it. Take a look at it realistically. The other thing I would say that helps with this process is as you challenge it and plan around it, introduce the other side. Say, okay, so that's all the potential bad, but what good could happen? Like, what's the other side? What are the opportunities that are there that I haven't considered? That is going to help you make a more realistic, less fear-based decision. So in summary, here's what redefining success is really all about. It empowers you to create a very clear values-based vision and very clear values-based goals for your career and your life. 
which enable you to make decisions that you feel good about so that you can start feeling more successful in the here and now in the way that you're living and being in the world, even while you're working for something better. This is about contentedness, y'all, and it is so well worth it. So I know that this concept is a little bit different, but I challenge you to move forward with this new definition. Just kind of play around with it and see where it goes. And to help you out and give you a bit better guidance on how this looks in real life and give you the confidence to get started, do be sure to download the Life and Law Roadmap. It's going to help you create your new definition of success and start living it. Also, be on the lookout for a special episode coming soon, hopefully within the next four weeks or so. I am working to have a former client and friend on soon as my first guest. He is the perfect example of how to redefine success on your own terms and really create it from the inside out. And I cannot wait for you to meet him. All right, that is it for this week. I will talk to you next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Life and Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a subscriber, be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both life and law, including the Life and Law Roadmap, visit lifeandlawpodcast.com.